evening, everybody, and welcome to the graveyard. Thank you for joining us tonight. My name is Adam. And I'm Matt. Now pull up a tombstone or settle into your casket and get comfortable, because this is Graveyard Tales. Well, hi ho neighborinos. Hey! Long time no see. <laughs> I guess I'm not seeing them, but... We'll say I'm seeing them. Yeah. Um, so before we get into it, I wanted to just give a quick shout out and thank you to all of those people who have commented and rated on iTunes and Spotify and Google Play or wherever they listen. Um, it may not seem like much to them, but it's a big deal for us. Um, you know, it, it really helps us get seen and get put on the charts for other people to see. So please go give us a uh, give us a rating you don't really have to comment anything i mean you can comment whatever you want um cuz it it doesn't matter it's that that rating give us a good rating right and these ratings help us to be found cuz the better ratings that we have the higher up on the on the list when people search for good podcasts uh will be there so right. it helps bring more people into the graveyard yep and we want that we want to keep growing we've had a lot of growth so far just over the last week or so and that's mainly due to word of mouth and we want to thank you guys for that right um now um wanted to give a quick shout out to some people who have given us um some ratings um there's uh you can you can give us a rating on facebook too and to those people who have given us a rating on facebook i'd like to shout them out and give them a thanks uh billy c robert h Gina M, Ashley O, and Rich S have all given us a five-star rating on Facebook. And that doesn't include you, Matt. I know you did, and I appreciate that very much. That's all right. I'm, I'm the guy that voted for himself in school. <laughs> hey, if nobody else is going to, you might as well, right? And, uh, and Brooke and Trey, uh, DeLorean8202, Pleckerhead, and, and my favorite, Anus Blaster 2000 all gave us five-star reviews on iTunes podcast. Uh, so we thank you guys. And like we said, it really, really helps. And it means a lot to us. It really does, especially that one from Anus Blaster, because if he's, he or she, I guess. <laughs> Could I'd, be either I'd, or. I don't want to I don't want to uh, specify which uh, gender that is. Um, anyway, uh, thank you to those guys. Um, you know, it, it really helps us out, and we're already – you know, very thankful for the growth that we've seen. We'd just like to grow this graveyard a little more. Um, now, we have a Facebook group, as we mentioned. So if you're part of the Facebook group, thank you. That's great. Get in there and comment. Let's talk. We want to talk to you, get conversations going. You know, don't wait for my dumb butt to get in there and post something. Um, get in there and post stuff. Let's talk, you know. Yeah, bring up questions, responses, anything that you've had experience. Uh, we'll talk about it. I mean, we, we want this to be uh, not our group, but everybody's group. And we look forward to all of you guys putting out some content there for us to discuss. And who knows, we might even get a good show idea out of this. Oh, absolutely. You know, I'm, I'm looking forward to that, stealing people's ideas. That's, yeah, exactly. that's great. That's what we do. <laughs> um, but real quick, before we get into the episode here, um, there, a friend of mine on um, Twitter uh, Rob K is starting a podcast in January. 
Um, now he's a big UFO guy. He's very knowledgeable about um, UFOs and and all the different sightings and all that. It's called Our Strange Skies, and it comes out in January. So go over and follow him on Twitter, which is Our Strange Skies on Twitter. That way you'll be up to date uh, whenever he launches the first episode. I'm looking forward to it. I think y'all should check it out. Um, but anyway, Matt, what are we talking about this week? We are talking about werewolves. One of my favorite topics. <laughs> One of my favorite topics. Yeah, he begged me, let's do this next. Yeah, and I, I literally did. But what I wasn't planning on was uh, Matt went on vacation this last right. weekend, right? So Matt goes to Florida with the fam. All the way to Key West. Went as far south of Florida as we could. Yeah. And, and he leaves me here alone in rainy, cold Tennessee. So really all I had to do was research this topic. So I've been down every rabbit hole you can imagine. And I'm still figuring out Reddit. You know, that's a new thing for me. And Reddit is weird. I'll tell you that right oh, now. Yeah. Just what I figured out. Reddit is weird. So I get on there. I'm charging down these rabbit holes. You know, all werewolf rabbit holes. Would it be weir holes? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, weir holes. Weir holes. Um, that sounds <laughs> horrible. Anyway, charging through these weir holes. And... Um, I got accepted as an honorary member of this werewolf support group. Really? Yep. Join this werewolf support group. And it's not just werewolves. It's like all weir animals. So it's like weir foxes and weir frogs, weir geese and everything. And they are like, I love the community. It's great. Um, I've only been in there for about a week or so. And like I said, I'm honorary. I don't change, but you know, I support them, let them do their thing. Um, now they're great people, animal Panimals. They're great yeah, panimals. Um, and I, I love their slogan. Um, it, it blasted across the top header there. It says, we're here, we're we're, get used to it. I love it. <laughs> oh, man. That, so, was, that, that was the longest setup. <laughs> I loved it. I thought that was a great setup. It's great. It's great. Anyway, so that, that's what I did while uh, Matt was on vacation. Um, but I'm sure most of y'all know what a werewolf is, so we probably don't really need to get into it. Um, but it's werewolf or lycanthrope, as you can tell by the title of the video that we put up. Lycanthrope is another term for a werewolf. Um, and it's a mythological or folkloric human with the ability to shapeshift into a wolf, either purposely or after being placed under a curse or affliction. Um, and I know we've, Matt and I have kind of, we've traveled down different paths of research here. Um, so this is probably going to be a long episode for you guys, and I'm going to love every minute oh, of this. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, he's he got on a Teen Wolf jersey. I do. I, I didn't even know you could buy that. Well, you know, I read it. What can I say? <laughs> you know, read it plus Amazon equals Teen Wolf jersey. Yep. And the best part is you're not seeing what's underneath. I mean, what's under <laughs> yeah. the table here that wait till I stand up. You'll be really impressed. Um, <laughs> but I've got a list here of all the different ways that you can become a werewolf. Uh, and this is according to uh, the intranet. So believe yeah, it. And this is not a how to guide. No, so. <laughs> no, don't go out and do Cause some of these you're not going to want to do. That's right. Um, I'll tell you right now, there's a couple in here which I was reading, and then 
couple I went, are you kidding? Really? <laughs> and then there was a couple of them I went, oh, come on, man. No. Um, but all right. So we'll get into it here. How to become a werewolf. Being bitten by another werewolf. And that's debated by a lot of different places. But makes sense. Makes sense. Being scratched or clawed by another werewolf. Selling your soul to the devil. Wearing an enchanted belt made of wolf fur or skin known as a wolf belt. Man, now I got to throw away my belt. Yep, you do. Uh, Or just give it to me. It'll match the teen wolf outfit. (laughs) Um, Applying a magic salve to one's body. Black magic and witchcraft. Eating lycanthropus flowers, white or yellow flowers that are said to be in the Balkans. Inhaling certain potions. Simply wearing an animal's pelt. Well, I'm screwed. Placing a real wolf pelt on one's body and then drinking beer mixed with blood. Drinking water from a wolf's paw print. Eating the brains of a wolf. Spells and rituals. Having sex with a werewolf. No thanks. Yeah, nope. Eating an unborn fetus. Again, no thanks. Uh, Wearing a belt made of skin of an executed criminal. Again with the belts. Yeah, there's, I mean. Now I've lost two belts. Yeah, well, there's there's a lot of belt in this uh, history here. Uh, Being cursed by a witch or troll. Being born on Christmas Eve. Being blasphemous and getting cursed for your sins. Genetics. Drinking from a lycanthropus stream. Drinking downstream from wolves. Sleeping on a Friday night under the full moon with the moon shining directly on your face. Being the seventh sun. Being a child conceived under a new moon. Not going to confession for ten years. Being gruesomely murdered on a full moon. Being born on a full moon Friday. Tasting human flesh. Dang it. Being chosen by the Native American wolf spirit. And these are, you can go to werewolves.com slash the many ways to become a werewolf. And that's where I got that from. You know, by that list, I should, I, I feel like I got 15 of them. Right. So I, I'm, I'm covered. I, sh, I should be wolfing out right now. I think 65% of the U.S. should be <laughs> yeah. a werewolf if if we're to believe this list. Um, so werewolf, the lore has been around for centuries, centuries and centuries and centuries um, in one form or another. And here we'll, I'll get into um, some of the historical stories and everything. And then Matt has some newer accounts, uh, more recent accounts of werewolfism, lycanthropy. Right. Um, one of the historical stories is a Native American legend of the werewolf curse. Now, before we do this, I'm going to give a, not a PSA, but maybe a, I'm just going to say it. My my mouth does not want to say some of these names and some of these words in some of these stories. Um, like Texas mouth. Again. Oh, my God. It, it. It comes out boomhauer after a while. I just, well, dang old man, we got the werewolf man. So I'm going to do my best. Um, laugh, if you will, um, at my pronunciation of these. Now, I have a, an Irish story um, about the folklore in Ireland. And actually, a, a friend from Ireland who has the Spectral Asylum podcast, which y'all should go check out, um, Laura, she 
helped me out quite a bit on the pronunciation of these things. So if I get it wrong, blame her. I'm just kidding. Um, blame me completely because even though she told me how to phonetically say it, I guarantee I'm not going to do it right. Um, but anyway, back to the Native American legend. Uh, this is, I guess, you know, a few hundred years ago, whatever. Um, in this legend, there is a spirit god named Wizakachek. Um, Wizakachek was a shapeshifter who lived in the woods. He was a friend to humans whose default physical form was that of a wolf. One day, Wizakachek was roaming the woods in the form of a man when he saw two brothers from the fox tribe hunting. The boys, named Keme and Machateyu, had just caught a deer with their bows and arrows. You did a really good job. Right Thank you, there. sir. It's phonetic on here. They've got it typed out phonetically, so I'm just... Um, Wizakachek walked up to the boys and presented himself as a lost and hungry wanderer from a different tribe. Kime offered the stranger some of the deer meat they had just caught, and Wizakachek accepted. About a week later, Wizakachek appeared in the same part of the woods again and saw the same boys again hunting. Machateyu explained that ever since they caught the deer a week earlier, they hadn't been able to catch anything and were very hungry. Wizakachek, remembering the boys' previous generosity, told them he had no meat to offer them, but he could share with them his power to shapeshift into a wolf so that they could catch a deer more easily. At first, the boys didn't believe him, but then Wizakachek transformed into a wolf and back in, back in front of their eyes. They excitedly agreed. The only condition that Wizakachek gave Kime and Machateyu was that they could not use their wolf forms to hurt any humans, only to hunt. Months went by and the boys used their forms to catch enough deer for the entire village. One day, Machateyu was in an argument with another boy in the village, and in his anger, Machateyu transformed into a wolf and killed the boy. Now fearing their power, Machateyu and Kime were both cast out of the tribe and forced to live in the woods. Wizakachek was furious. He cast a new spell on Machateyu so that from that day forth, he would no longer be able to shapeshift at will. Every day he would take on a complete human form, and every night he would transform into a mindless wolf. Kime, having done no wrong, was allowed to keep his shape-shifting abilities. Having been cast out from the fox tribe and knowing that Machateyu would be unable to control himself in his wolf form, Kime left by himself into the wilderness. Machateyu is now known as the father of werewolves, being the first one and creating the others. This is where the history of the werewolf begins but is far from where it ends. Many years went by with no sign of Machateyu or any other aggressive night wolf. Legends from other tribes told stories of wolves larger than men hunting near the villages. Several tribes reported flocks of animals, including horses, being brutally ravaged in the middle of the night. Stories of these creatures began spreading to more and more tribes across North America, though the wolves were rarely reported by anyone other than native tribes. These stories of the history of the werewolf were thought to be legend for many, many years until a string of modern werewolf sightings beginning in 1936 changed everything. So we'll get into some of those other more recent sightings, but that's the Native American legend. Yeah, and Native American culture is ripe with the ability to change from human to animal and back, not just with wolves. 
Right. I mean, there, there are Native American stories about being able to shift into eagles, you know, other other kind of forest yeah, creatures. Bear. Bears. You know, yeah, absolutely. Yep. So, you know, the fact that the werewolf legends, you know, go into Native American culture, you know, it, it you know, for the North American area, I mean, that could be virtually where the North American werewolf begins. And we're not even talking about, you know, skinwalkers or anything else, which, you know, again, goes into the whole idea of an ability to shapeshift. Right. You know, the in, in Native, Native American, American culture. Right. Yeah. right. So there's, um, you know, there there are a lot of these stories from around the around the world. Um, one of the other ones, like I was saying, is the Irish uh, folklore. Um, now, I'm going to give this one a shot real quick, um, and hopefully I pronounce all these things because it, it's a lot like um, Machateu from the other one. Um, I've got it typed out phonetically, hoping I get it right. That does not mean my mouth is going to do this any justice. Um, so for all... All those keeping score of my mispronunciations, this might be a high-ranking one here. Yeah, it's the drinking game. Yeah. <laughs> Graveyard Tales version. Yeah, every time Adam mispronounces something or goes, then take a shot. So that's gonna you're going to be drunk within the next five minutes, I promise. Um, so the, the werewolf is strong within Irish folklore. Um, there are a number of tales of strange tribes of wolfmen living in remote areas. Um they say in the county Tipperary, um, which I guess that's a county. I don't know Ireland, so I'm just I'm just reading. It's not a county all the time. It's temporary. <laughs> it's a Tipperary county. I get it. It's silly. Anyway, in Ireland in 1182, a priest was traveling from Ulster into Meath and having to pass the night in a wood was sitting by a fire which he had made when a wolf accosted him in human speech. He was, he said, a man of osery, one whose race lay an ancient curse, whereby every seven years a man and a woman were changed into wolves. At the end of seven years, they recovered their proper form, and two others suffered a like transformation. He and his wife were the present victims of the curse. His wife was at the point of death, and he prayed the priest to come and give her the Vatican, or the Holy Eucharist that's given to the dying. Um, after some hesitation, the priest, he, he said, okay, I'll, I'll come. And so the next morning, the wolf took uh, leave of him with words of gratitude. Two years after this event, Geraldus was in the same area um, where he was approached by two priests sent by the bishop to ask him of his view of this serious matter, in quotes. Geraldus met with the bishop of the town and gave his views in writing. These writings were then sent to the bishop of Ulcery, then to, to Pope Urban III, showing you just how serious they took the werewolf tale. Um, it said that the people of the kingdom of Ulcery um, had this curse put on them, and they, every seven years, a different man and woman, husband and wife, or whatever, would change into werewolves. And they're not the normal werewolf stories that we have here in 
America. You know, here in America, we the werewolves are they'll you know the Little Red Riding Hood. They'll eat your kids. They'll eat you. They'll eat your livestock. Whatever. The werewolves of Osiri, um, not so much. They were the helpful werewolves. They would, you know, their stories of them helping lost travelers find their way, of taking up arms in certain battles and fighting for one side or the other in a battle, um, helping kids get home who got lost in the woods. So it, it's a different twist on the the story of the werewolf and i kind of like that you know it it's it's different um they uh what is it here that geraldus um is a guy that he wrote of the osorians saying that there were always two of the osori people a man and a woman living in the shape of wolves in a seven-year cycle and when they would take that shape their bodies would stay alive but in a sedated like hibernation and because their soul would leave and get put into a wolf and during that time if the family or anybody were to move the body then the soul could not find its way back and so that person was forced to live as a wolf for the rest of their life but at the end of seven years they could come back take over their bodies again and then two other souls would get put into wolves so it, it's you know Quite a different take on the the werewolf thing, right? And and not what we traditionally think of in a werewolf story. No, not at all. A person is actually changing their physical shape to match that of a wolf or a wolf human hybrid. You know, this story is talking about people whose whose spirit essentially would leave and enter another animal, right? And then they would live through that animal and return into their human forms, right? Yeah, a lot different than what you you see in the movies or what most people think of when they hear the term werewolf. Yeah, they think of the, you know, full moon comes out, they yeah. bend over and they howl and they rip at their flesh and you see hair popping out of their arms and teeth growing and stuff. And, you know, very dramatic. But there again, it's Hollywood. It's, right. you know, it's not what, I mean, there are some folkloric tales of that, but it's not really, not really that, you know what I mean? Right. Right. Um, and you know, these, uh, these legends go back further. I mean, Greek mythology, uh, talks about King like Lycaon. Yep. Lycaon. I, I, yeah. Like I, I butchered that. I know. Well, hey, join the ranks. That's right. <laughs> but, um, he was, a, a brutal King, uh, known to, to murder people just for no reason. And finally, uh, Zeus came down to talk to him, to tell him, you know, hey, you've got to, you got to chill out. And in order to trick Zeus, uh, the king put human flesh in his meal. And Zeus being a god, he knew that there was human flesh there and punished Lycaon. Dummy trying to trick a god. Right. By turning him into a wolf. So, I mean, you know, that's, that's a Greek, that's a Greek myth right there. Right. I mean, those, those stories, they date back thousands of years. Right. So, you know, the story of the werewolf and, and legends, they're, you can find them in every major culture around the world. 
Oh, from, absolutely. You know, from North America, South America, all the way into, you know, Asia and India, there's some type of legend that involves the ability to shapeshift into a wolf right. or someone that was punished by being turned into a wolf. You, you find them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There were, um, in doing the research, you know, I didn't, I know I didn't grab every single um, instance of that because if so, we would be here for six hours yeah. just talking about it. This, and, pod, this podcast would end right when it was time to do the next one. So. Right. Um, so I have, speaking of all the different years and all the different times and countries and everything that um, it was in, um, I know a lot of y'all are aware of the Salem witch trials. Um, and what happened there um, with the rounding up of witches and burning them at stake at, at the stake and all that and hanging them and lynching them and but probably not a lot of y'all are aware that there were actually werewolf trials over in England about a hundred years or so before the the witch trials here in Salem. Um, so there was uh, the the first recorded instance of anyone being accused and convicted of lycanthropy occurred in here we go again in Poligny, France, um, in 1521. Um, as the story goes, a supposed wolf attacked uh, uh, supposedly. <laughs> wow. Um, a supposed wolf attack led authorities to the home of Michael Verdun, who, after being arrested and tortured, confessed to being a werewolf, along with two other men, Pierre Burgot and Philibert Montot. So Burgot also confessed and told authorities of a deal that he made and the other men made with three men dressed in black who agreed to protect their sheep in exchange for the rejection of his belief in God. Now, he was given an ointment that allowed them to shapeshift into wolves, during which time they would stalk the land, killing and eating children. And all three men were found guilty and were executed shortly thereafter. Um, there are many, many accounts after this um, of lycanthropy had some like eerie similarities to it, um, where uh, everybody... Well, most everybody was said to have made a deal with the devil um, in exchange for something that would allow them the ability to turn into a werewolf. Um, there was a 1598 case of a Frenchman named Jacques Roulet, um, also known as the werewolf of Cod. Um, it's going to be Cod because that's how I'm going to say it. It's probably not, but that's how I'm going to say it. Um, it involved the use of a transformational salve, which Roulet used to murder and then eat several young children. Um, although he was sentenced to death for his crimes, a conviction of feeble-mindedness instead sent him to an asylum where he received a religious education before being released just two years later. So, I mean, salve will hold for two years, right? So, I mean, if he went into the went into the asylum and stashed his salve somewhere, he could come out and could have still been eating and transforming and having a good old time. Yeah, just wait till I get out of here and get my salve. Right, yeah. You just wait till I get my hands on my salve, dang it. Um, so there were um, a lot, a lot, a lot of accounts of this. So I'm going to go over just a couple more um, before 
Uh, I relinquish it to Matt and let him talk for a while because I'm getting dry mouth and I'm getting tired here. Um, so Peter Stube was in 1589, um, and there was only apparently one uh, recorded account of the Peter Stube, um, Stube, Stube, uh, lycanthropy deal, and it was um, he was called the Werewolf of Bedburg, and it was in this pamphlet um, that uh, it now been lost, but it was in. Um, it was in German, and it was circulated in London in 1590. According to the pamphlet, Stube, who from his youth was greatly inclined to something, E-U-I-L-L, Yule, um, he made a deal with the devil and uh, requesting specifically to work his malice on men, women, and children in the shape of some beast, whereby he might lure lure them to their death. Um now, the devil gave him a belt, um, which he would put about him and would turn into the likeness of a greedy, devouring wolf. So here we go into the belt thing. Yeah. Um, we, we move from some stuff you smear on you into a belt. I want to get like a belt and shoe combo. Now, see, that that's going to be a special, <laughs> special request. Um Devil just doesn't have a belt and shoe combo laying around, oh, sir. Oh, I bet he does. He's got to have that made. Um, so that was one of the early accounts. Um, we talked a little bit about um, the Relay fella. Um, there is a Giles Garnier in 1573. Um, he was in Dole, France, and several children went missing, um, and they were later found torn apart uh, torn apart in the woods. Um Townspeople were charged with finding the werewolf. Um, so they arrested this uh, Giles Garnier guy. And um, this was after another child disappeared. They they found Giles and they arrested him. Um, and he was put on the rack. Um, so he was tortured until he confessed of being a lycanthrope and to to hunting, killing, and eating children who ventured into the woods, saying that he shared the meat with his wife. So a husband and wife werewolf team, but I guess he just hunts and she eats. But if you put me on the rack, I'll confess to just about anything. Yeah, no kidding. Um, and that was that that actually brings up there was a lot of these that they you know, they tortured these people. And most of the confessions didn't come out until hours and hours and hours into the the torture and you know i mean there again if you're pulling fingernails out or you're you've got me on a rack or you're whipping me or whatever if i think there's any way to get it to stop i want to say yeah man i'm a werewolf i you know i do this and i'll give you great detail you know just to get this to stop right and a lot of these ancient ancient old whatever 1500 circa ancient to us yeah these legends, these stories that we hear are around a time where people didn't understand a lot about what was going on with their own body right. or with nature, with the world around them in general. That's that's how the, the witch trials came about. Yep. We don't understand. These people are acting different. They're weird. So we got to torture them and find out what they really are. 
and you hurt somebody bad enough, they're going to tell you anything to stop. So it does kind of cast a cloud over a lot of these old legends. However, something was killing people. Right. Something was eating children. Right. And they couldn't explain it. We can't explain it. Nope. So it's hard to just completely dismiss a lot of these stories. And partly it's because there's just so many of them. Yeah. So you have to, you take it with a grain of salt, but again, we're not here to debunk anything. We're, we're sharing these tales because a lot of them are really good stories, but there's always a little bit of, yeah, that may have really happened back then. Right. Because like you said, with so many different accounts of it and from all over the world, you know, it's like a lot of other things. How can you say that it it was a collective hallucination, you know, that these people just collectively made this up when they don't share a language, they don't share a history, they don't share anything, yet from as soon as we started getting recorded history till now, we have had stories of people shape-shifting, and it's been into werewolves, and, you know, we... I don't know, me, I don't want to simply write it off as a hallucination. Like everybody says, well, with UFOs and stuff, it's a mass hallucination. I'm not going to write it off as that because I don't believe that that would happen. You know what I mean? Right. Some of these, sure. Somebody probably had clinical lycanthropism, which is you in your head. You know, it's a clinical disorder that you believe you're a wolf or you, you believe you're, you know, changing at different times. And so, you know, there, there may be some of that in there, but I don't think every single one of these people were, you know, that you could diagnose them with clinical, clinical lycanthropism. Right. And it it would be very difficult to believe that people in France and England and Ireland are sharing similar stories to people in India and China around the same time. Right. Because it just wasn't there wasn't an ability to travel to those places. You didn't you didn't meet somebody that just happened to be from China when you lived in a small village in Ireland. Right. They didn't have Facebook and and Reddit back then to join these uh, weird right. pages like I right. did. Right. And you know, there there just wasn't that ability to share those kind of experiences with people that lived on the other side of the globe. But yet, those very similar legends exist right. in all of those cultures, as I as I mentioned earlier. So. Right. Now, before we get into some of the more present day um, stories that Matt has, uh, I'd like to take a minute to let y'all hear from some friends of ours that have a podcast, um, the Color Me Dead Girls. So we'll stop. They they crack me up. But we'll stop and we'll let them have a little say real quick. Hello there, fellow skin suits. This is Ember, Angel, and Nikki. Do you love true crime? Of, of course, course you do. Do you crave all the true details hidden in each case? Of, of course, course you, you do. do. Do you have a dark sense of humor and need a touch of comedy to balance out those gory details? Of, of course, course you do. do. 
Are you okay with language that would make a sailor blush? Of course you are. If you answered yes, then you should come hanging out with us, the gory gals of the Color Me Dead podcast. Come play with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Color Me Dead Pod or Color Me Dead Podcast. We can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbean, and Overcast, or any other podcast app. We release on Wednesdays because on Wednesdays we wear murder. Don't forget to wear your sunscreen. Spay and neuter your pets. Use the buddy system. And and stay stay out of chalk lines. lines. Goodbye. Goodbye. All right, so that was the Color Me Dead Girls. Y'all should go check them out. Um, I'm subscribed. Y'all need to subscribe. I'm subscribed as well. Yep. I just, I, I like hearing them. They, they crack me up. Yeah, um, they're pretty funny. So especially some, as, as funny as you can be talking about gruesome murders, right. which that actually makes it funnier to me is, you know, they're yeah. able to, to, to kind of be lighthearted about it. And they, you know, we try to keep our show PG 13 ish, Yeah. you know, and I say ish because it's sometimes Adam's brain goes off into these weird areas that, probably are not PG 13. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to give an ish kind of deal, but Mm -hmm. they just let you know up front that if you can't handle the, the blue sense of humor, the cussing, the, the, the jokes about anatomy and all that, you probably shouldn't listen. And and that cracks me up. Yeah. But, Um, but, but they are, they're great. So give them a listen. Yeah. So Matt, you have some newer accounts, um, some more recent, uh, stories and everything of, the the werewolf sightings and everything. So why don't you give us those? Yeah, so we're going to jump ahead a few hundred years. Only a few hundred years? Only a few hundred years to more modern day stories of uh, werewolf sightings. And one of the most... uh, Real quick, I think this is cheating because I had all the really difficult words to say and all the difficult (laughs) names... And French and everything, and you get yeah, the more yeah. modern stuff. Yeah. You get like Bill and Ted, and yeah, right. And I got Machateu and Osiri, and yeah. Oh yeah, Cheater. yeah. Well, I well I butchered uh, like Han, so. Well, that's true. I I got that one, so. and I probably butchered it again. So. <laughs> um, but one of the most famous stories, uh, modern day uh, werewolf sightings, is known as the Beast of Bray Road. Now. Bray Road is around Jefferson, Wisconsin, um, and it was the 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 beast or the werewolf uh, was first reported in 1936 in uh, in Elkhorn, uh, Elkhorn, Wisconsin, and it was reported by a gentleman named Mark Shackleman. Now I'm gonna read. You're like, oh great, Matt's gonna read. I'm gonna I'm gonna read the report of uh, of what Mark Shackleman uh, what he saw. Uh, so this you know I'm not gonna even try to paraphrase paraphrase this. So uh, you guys will get a sense of of what this thing is. So Mark Shackleman was driving east on Highway 18 near Jefferson in southeastern Wisconsin on an evening in 1936 when he saw a figure digging in an Indian mound. He saw hair, a hair-covered creature that was over six feet tall that was both ape-like and dog-like in, in stature, had pointed ears, and was standing erect. Its hands were shriveled uh, with a thumb and forefinger, 
and each hand had three fully formed fingers. Shackleman went back to the siding the next evening, hoping to see the creature again, and he did. The creature was making human-like sounds with three-syllable growling. Years later, his son, who is a Kenosha newspaper editor, wrote that his father's first thought that it must be something satanic. In uh, southeastern Wisconsin, decades later, equally enigmatic beasts would uh, figure into a host of reports um, that we're going to get into. So this was the first documented sighting of what has been called the Beast of Bray Road. And at this point, the newspapers were calling it a werewolf. So there was no, no, no shifting, no changing, no full moon, nothing of what we typically think of werewolves, but that's what the paper called it. So that's what it became known as. <clears throat> I think that's what I would call it. I mean. And, and these reports, they, um, they're, as, they're as recent as 1991. Right. I mean, you know, just 30, 20, 30 years ago. People are still reporting that they're seeing something out there. Right. You know, is it a werewolf? Is it something else? We don't know. Um, but a lady named Linda Godfrey, who is one of the, uh, considered one of the, I guess, gurus of cryptozoology. She's written many books. And one she, of my favorite authors. Yeah. She, uh, she wrote the book, The Beast of Bray Road. She actually went to this area of Wisconsin. In the, Wisconsin? Wisconsin. You like that? Uh, she, <laughs> she went, went to, to Wisconsin. The Wisconsin. Uh, a. To, oh, that's to, Canadian. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah. So we're not, just a little further. Yeah, but, don't you know. Um, but she, but Linda Godfrey, uh, she went up there to investigate because of all of the reports that were coming out in the late 80s. Or I cannot talk to him. Me either, man. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but I can't say, I couldn't, I couldn't say, you know what, if I had a mouth full of it. So, um, well, you do. So, <laughs> so, so she goes and, and she investigates this and, and her approach was to specifically go to the people for these firsthand reports. And she found that a lot of these stories had, very similar undertones and a lot of commonalities. And some of these commonalities are the, the beast is, is quadruped at, at times, but can raise up to biped. So it can, it can rise up and walk on two legs. Right. Uh, it has dark Brown to gray fur, glowing eyes, mostly described as red, but sometimes yellow, uh, which, you know, would be consistent with a dog or right. a wolf or something like that. And dogs and wolves usually had the yellowish um, tint right. to their eyes at night. Right. So, and when it stands up, anywhere from five to seven feet tall. So anywhere from about the average height of a man to what we would consider Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah, basketball player. Right. <clears throat> that they have uh, superhuman speed, very fast. In fact, uh, one of the reports... A lady said, as she as she was walking, she saw this creature and it began to run at her. So she immediately turned around, got back in her car, and started to drive away, and was driving very fast. And this creature caught her car, and she knew then this is not human. What's after me? Because there's no way a human 
could catch up to a speeding car. Right. And and this thing did. So that that super speed is something that's consistent with all these stories, that it moves very, very quickly. Um and and that they seem intelligent. One of the uh one of the stories I read, this story was actually called into Coast to Coast with Art Bell. Um, which if you if you're not familiar with Art Bell, um he you know, he, he doesn't broadcast, you know, anymore. You know, he, he might even have passed. I don't know. He just kind of went off the map. But he he ran a show that was a call-in show from his home in Arizona. And people would call in and from everything you can imagine, from UFOs to conspiracy theories to werewolves to ghosts, you name it, he would talk about it. And was, was he was basically the, the call-in version of what we do, except good. Yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he was great. I mean, I can remember being in high school and sitting up till one, two o'clock in the morning listening to, to Coast to Coast with Art Bell. But this report was actually called in. A woman, she said she she had walked in this park um, just about every night. She had two dogs. She had uh, a small chihuahua and a pit bull. Strange combination. Because um, I figured that chihuahua was going to be lunch for that pit bull. But. No, well, it's no, like those the cartoons with the real big dog and the little dog. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> Tom and Jerry references now. Yes, um, but she's walking one night. And she reports that it's about dusk. The street lights are coming on, so it's getting dark, but it's not dark enough that you can't see. Right. And she sees this character at the end of the road, and she's not really sure what it is. Thinks it's a person at first, but then she's noticing how it's moving. And how its knees are positioned, like the knees are going backwards. As she gets closer, she realizes that the dogs aren't really upset. They're not barking or they're not, you know, getting nervous. But something doesn't feel right. But this thing is not approaching her. It's just kind of moving side to side, like it's waiting for them to get to it. Lurking. Yeah. So she gets really nervous and says, we're going to go. So she pulls the leashes and heads back to the house. So her report was that when she got home, she told her fiancé about what she saw. Said he didn't disbelieve her. He told her, it might be best that you not walk that way anymore. So what did she do? She went that way the very next night. Of course she did. So... The next night, she's walking down the same park trail and reports a lot of movement in the trees, in the bushes around her. Quick, rustling movements, not quiet. Something was obviously there, and she could tell that it was big. Right. So again, she was worried this is the same thing we saw last night. She said the Chihuahua began to get a little bit nervous. But the pit bull, which she describes as being very protective, was unfazed. Hmm. Which she thought was really, really strange. That is weird for But she she left and said she wouldn't go back that way at all ever. In fact, she said she felt safer being in the woods than she did on that park trail. So, neighbor and his motorcycle again. If y'all hear that, that's not a werewolf growling. 
That's my fantastic neighbor and his were uh, his werewolf. Uh, that's his motorcycle. So we're not. We're, we normally record this really late at night. Yeah, so we're that, a little bit early tonight. Yeah, we're a little early, so you may hear him redline this thing just to annoy us. Yeah, I think I think it's coming up. So, so anyway, trudge but, on, Matt. Trudge on. You know, but but those stories, um, you know, are are much more modern, and 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 really much more scary. <laughs> but the one thing that really goes into these stories that I think is interesting is that none of them are witnessed accounts of a human turning into a wolf or vice versa. Right. These stories are consistent with this is a beast. It is something different. Right. It may have human-like qualities, but there's nothing that points to the fact that this is a human in a different form. Right. Um, From the time they see it to the time they run away or it it ducks off, it's in the kind of wolfish stand uppy form. Right, and and the fact that these things they don't show fear, um, they're not startled by dogs or other animals. That that's what's making people believe that they seem intelligent. You know, they understand what they're doing. Right. They understand what another human being is. Um, but that also goes to an animal that would be hunting. Right. You know, I'm not afraid. I know what you are. Yeah, you're prey. And you're prey. Yeah. That's right. So they're not going to show fear. And if a woman and three and two dogs walk up and this thing would eat any or all of them, yep. it's not going to show fear. No, it's a few hundred pounds more than that right. dog is. So right, so there are some um, there are some explanations for what this might be, um, and and Linda Godfrey goes into this in her book. Um, she talks about the the Wahila Wahila, uh, which is a a prehistoric giant dog, and. The idea that there's a prehistoric giant dog running around Wisconsin. Kind of badass, actually. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you know, come on. But how many prehistoric, I mean, I guess you could say, hey, they, you know, they caught a coelacanth off the coast of Madagascar that they thought was, you know, right. extinct. Right. Um, d- doesn't, doesn't seem likely that that's what it is, especially right. when they're describing something that's standing up at almost seven feet tall. Even a giant dog, if it's a dog. Yeah. It's not going to be standing on its hind end unless it was from the circus. Oh yeah. Cuz yeah. you've seen those dogs in the circus that are <laughs> giant up on, circus It's dog. a ginormous circus dog that learned to walk on its hind legs. <laughs> but there's there's also talk that it could be a wolf dog or a koi dog. Which uh koi dog not meaning a shy dog, a dog mixed with a coyote uh or a dog wolf hybrid. And you know, I've I've seen I've seen wolf dogs. Yep. I mean, they get pretty big. And if you saw one at night that stood up on its back legs, you you might think, yep. man, that thing is like seven feet tall. Or the you know the Irish wolfhound, yeah, huge dog, yeah. huge dog. You know, I, I've I've seen a German Shepherd that could put his paws on my shoulders and lick me in the face. Right. You know, so, um, you know, that's a reasonable theory, I suppose. Right. But again. You know, a dog like that's not going to run as fast as a car. No. So if you believe some of these stories, 
it may fit one, but it doesn't fit the other. Um, and, and again, with the with the beast of Bray Road, I could sit here and read off stories, you know, for the next two hours. Right. There are just so many of these things. So instead of doing that, what we suggest is go buy Linda Godfrey's book, The Beast of Bray Road. Exactly. Um, while you're at it, pick up Monsters Among Us yeah. um, from Linda Godfrey, because that gets into, you know, other things that people say it could be. Um, which we'll we'll touch on this at a later date in another episode down the road. But, um, you know, werewolves, they say, are a completely different animal than dogmen are. Um, but to me, they're, you know, they could be one and the same, um, especially with the the modern day sightings of, quote unquote, werewolves. Because like you said, Matt, you don't see them changing. Right. Um, the classic werewolf is you see the change. Uh, human in, in the day, wolf on two legs at night and all that. But all these modern day ones that we get are, they're already in form. They're already changed or they never change at all. That's always their form. Right, right. The You know, we're talking about reports of creatures that are, just in existence would be another species of creature, right. not something that has actually changed. Um, although there are other reports, especially from uh, the the Southwest deserts around New Mexico and Arizona, um, that again go back to uh, Navajo stories, but more recent, not necessarily legends. You know, there's been uh, quote unquote werewolf attacks uh, in New Mexico uh, that are as late as 1972. Right. Um, but again, you know, we're crossing over into skinwalker territory. Right. Where, you know, this uh, a spirit or a, a person that has actually gone through the process of becoming a skinwalker uh, can shape shift into an animal. But, you know, and a, and a wolf, a bear, you know, a bird, those things were very common in the stories about skinwalkers. So, you know, the werewolf stories and, and when you investigate this stuff, you find out it's not just, hey, these are werewolves and this is how it works and this is what you do. I mean, there's a lot of things that fall under this realm of what is considered to be a story about a werewolf because it could be a story about a skinwalker. It could be a story about a dog man. Right. It could be a story about a, you know, a coyote that was really big that wandered yeah. into a neighborhood. Uh, so it's really hard to pigeonhole this category. And that's why when Adam and I first talked about this, I was like, we could have absolutely nothing to talk about or we could talk for three hours. Right. So. And, and that's very true, you know, and so we're going to, you know, we skimmed over a lot of the historical accounts, and I did a very bad job of saying names and, and putting it into a cohesive uh, cohesive storyline that you could understand. But, you know, it was really hard to find those. What are the most sensational historical accounts? Because you're sifting through probably 300 to 1,000, mm -hmm. somewhere in there, depending on where you look. Um, so you try to pick some of the 
I guess more widespread ones, you know, the ones that more people know or that were in print more or whatever. Um, and you know, Matt, I know for his more modern day stuff, he, there are definitely a lot more than what you went through, you know, Um, there, there, there are absolutely tons and some range from, you know, we saw this thing, we didn't know what it was. We thought it was a big dog and then it stood up and it looked at us to, you know, this thing jumped on the hood of our car and we drove away and it fell off. And, you know, you can even, you, you could imagine some of the other, you know, stories. Uh, one, one of the stories that, um, that I did read was, was very interesting. Um, it was in 1958. This lady's husband was out of town. And so she had moved her bed closer to a screen window in order to try to get some of the evening breeze. She says she hears a noise outside. And when she looks out of the window, she sees this creature looking at her with these red glowing eyes. So she estimated that it was probably around six to seven feet tall. And it didn't immediately run away when she looked at it. Right. So she reached down to get a flashlight to get a better look. And it ran off into the bushes. So as she's trying to see what's going on, within a few minutes, the report says that a man wearing very little clothing emerges from the bushes, looks around, and then walks away very hurriedly like, I hope nobody saw that. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and so that—that's a funny story. It's—it's it's a documented story, and it's one of the few that I came across that had any kind of talk about. I saw this creature, and then I saw yeah transformation. Saw it, or... Didn't see it trans. Didn't see it transform, but it just looked really, really suspicious. Yeah, but so. there's only a few possibilities of what it could be if a man emerges from the bushes half nude right you know kind of groggy and of all the ones that we can talk about i think the the easiest one to talk about would be the werewolf thing all yeah. the other ones are yeah. not allowed on this pg-13 podcast. well you know here's the thing you know you 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 discount a story like that because you say hey you saw something red and glowing and that you know you saw a peeping tom with binoculars right. and then you saw this half naked guy crawl out of the bushes you know so you know i i i put that out there because it's it's humorous right you know it's funny it's it's not one that you necessarily take to heart but again but it it go it goes to speak to all these different stories that you come across well and see that what we just did says a lot about society and why a lot of these things don't get maybe as much publication as they should is because we go oh yeah uh, you saw this and then there was a nude guy coming out of the woods and then you make a joke about it and you're like yeah that's probably not a real account right but you know we may have just discounted one of the most credible stories of a werewolf and the transformation of and we discounted it as a joke or as a somebody just making it up because it seemed to quote unquote Hollywood. Right. And you know, that's true with anything, right? With any of these stories. Um, and that's why we tell you guys, 
listen, send us your stories because we're not going to make fun of you. I mean, we're, we're laughing about this, but, you know, had we actually talked to this woman, again, she saw what she saw. Yep. And I'm not going to tell somebody what you did or didn't see. We're not certainly not going to tell uh, any of our listeners what they did or didn't no. see. And so, uh, you know, you know, I say that to say, you know, yeah, it's it's humorous. It, you know, we can make light of it, but we don't know. No, because we weren't there. Um, I know that I've never seen anything that would qualify as being a werewolf sighting. Right. But you know, that's just because I haven't seen it. Right. And I, you know, I, I myself have never visually seen anything. I've been out in the woods, you know, as it's getting dark and I've heard some weird growls or yells or whatever you want to call it off in the distance, but bobcats can make a weird noise. You know, um, I know it wasn't a fox because foxes aren't that deep a grown, but it, you know, this was back in Texas, so it could have been a boar. Yeah. Um, could have been anything. I don't know, but it was something that I couldn't place. You know, I know what a bobcat sounds like and didn't sound like a bobcat. Um, didn't sound like any boar I'd ever heard. But, you know, you hear Are it all. Are you off. sure it wasn't a fox? I'm pretty sure it wasn't a fox. What, what does the fox say? I'm not doing that, Matt. <laughs> no. No. You were banned from that mic. <laughs> Uh, as soon as you said, are you sure it wasn't a fox? I knew where this was going. I knew what was happening. I wasn't going to do it either. So. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, uh, you know, like we said, there are a lot of these. Go look them up if you're interested. Go look up, um, you know, the more personal accounts and all that. Um, cause the You know, the historical accounts are fun. Mm-hmm. And and it's fun to see how far back they go, um, but some of the ones that are they're more to our current era, um, kind of make you feel, you know, make you get into it a little bit more because you know if you're reading something that's from 1589, you're like, oh, right. God, 1589, you know, um, that's why I just kind of brushed past a lot of those is because yeah, you're thinking okay, uh, yeah, it's some, you know, it's ergot poisoning from back then and that's what it is they don't they didn't know their wheat was tainted so they thought they were you know werewolves and da da da. but nowadays with you know we've seen the movies we've seen that we have a scientific mind to go off of and there's things that we still can't say for sure what it is and those are the those are the ones that are more fun to me those are the ones that get into the you know they spur my cryptozoological uh, mind here because i you know and i i love them i love the the cryptozoological stories i i love all of it oh yeah yeah i mean they're great and you know hollywood is going to take anything you know it's it's taking vampires to to different levels, and with the Twilight movies, now they damn sparkle. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Sparkling vampires. That that hurts my soul. Yeah, you know, I, I like my vampires to be like Dracula, right? But, uh, Vladislav Dragulia. Yeah, they, you know, man, that was scary. Thank you. So, but I bring that up because the the vampire and the werewolf are, you know, they have been really changed by the movies mm-hmm. and by books. And a lot of people will, will tell you these things like, yeah, you know, yeah, you know, this, you know, werewolves, they, 
you know, they do this and they do that and they look like this. Yep. And, every and every they, full moon. And, and you can go back and say, well, that's what your understanding is because that's what this book, this fictional book right. said. That's what this movie said. It's it's like going back to, you know, vampires. They, they can only come inside if they're invited. Right. Well, that goes back to the Lost Boys. I mean, I can pinpoint the first time I ever heard that I was watching a movie. Yeah. But now it's it's like, oh well, yeah, that's that's a thing about vampires. But I I bring this up because one thing that you know I found that's common between vampires and werewolves is this idea of uh, clinical uh, lycanthropy, mm-hmm. where you can actually believe that you become a wolf or that this devil spirit inhabits your body to turn you into a wolf to where you begin to show dog-like qualities, you know, walking on all fours, growling, snarling, you know, attacking, um, you know, where there are people that have this idea that I am a vampire, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I can drink blood. I, I can sleep in a coffin during the day and I can only come out at night. So I'm, I'm doing a lot of this stuff, so I must be a vampire. Right. You know, so. I think um, I dated a chick that thought she was a vampire. <laughs> it was, I don't know, it was weird. You know, it could, only got up at night, slept all day, never really worked. I don't know if that was part of it. Anyway, go, go on with the story. <laughs> that was a, it's hard to hold down a job when you're a vampire. I guess so. I mean, you know, imagine how hard it would be if you're a werewolf. Oh, my God. So, you know, there's there's some idea that. You know, there's people out there that would would want to try to do this or would have this belief. But they're, I promise you, they're not changing into anything. No. They think they are, but they're not changing. And we're not talking about that. I mean, we're talking about, you know, reports of people actually seeing a, a seven-foot-tall, yeah, hairy— a, a physical being yeah, in front dog-like of Yeah, dog-like creature. Right. Um. You know, they can run as fast as a car, right? you know, and and attack people. That's that's what we're talking about. Um, so but all of those all of those stories, you know, we're presenting tonight are just to kind of give you an idea of this is really what what people are or should be thinking about is if, if you want to investigate what a werewolf is or what a were creature is yep. of any type, n- not necessarily Go watch American Werewolf in London. Right. Great movie, but it's fiction. Right. You know, and not that what we're telling you tonight isn't fiction. Um, there's just a lot of these reports, and these people believe, hey, I saw this. Yep. And, you know, I I was moved enough that I had to tell somebody right. about it. And, you know, you can tell a lot from listening to a person tell a story. Uh, when they're telling you about their personal encounter, you can you can tell whether they really lived that or whether they're just making it up for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, by their emotions and, you know, the look on their face and all that. And some of the interviews you see of these people with the Beast of Bray Road or, um, you know, anything like that, they, they legitimately believe that. You know, that happened to him. They saw right. what they saw was not a dog, was not this. There was um, trying to think if it was. It, uh, I don't know if you ever saw Monster Quest. Um, there was a show called Monster Quest and they went out and did some of these things and they did one 
that was, um, I think it was on the Beast of Bray Road. It was, or it was werewolves, like uh, American werewolves or something like that. And they happened to be talking to um, these three teenagers who were in a car driving down Bray Road. And they ran into what they said was the the beast. And they interviewed them. And these these kids were legitimately shook up. You know, you could tell. they To this day, they were still legitimately shook up. And they gave them a polygraph test. And they passed the polygraph test, all, all of them, with flying colors. So whether or not that was what, you know, that it was a werewolf standing there in front of them, they believed it was. Right. And, you know... That to me speaks volumes on rather than listening to somebody go, oh, werewolves can't exist, you know, uh, speaks volumes because, you know, there again, like the, the the quote that I put out there on the, the very first, our welcome episode from Neil deGrasse Tyson, that the universe does not, uh, the universe is under no obligation to make sense to you. Just because you don't think it could exist doesn't mean that it doesn't. Right. And you're you're segueing into uh, a good way to to kind of close out this discussion is could these creatures exist? And if so, where and how? So is it reasonable to believe that even if it's not a traditional werewolf that that changes from human to wolf or to some hybrid in between? Right. Could there be a biped creature that has qualities of a dog or a wolf that is extraordinarily fast, is more intelligent than, say, the average canine, that could go undiscovered for centuries? Your last caveat is one of the biggest problems for me with a a large creature like you were describing the going undiscovered um it's like it's my same theory on bigfoot as werewolf or anything else in north america there are very few places that we have not branched out into um let's say at least the u.s part of north america um yeah there are a lot of wilderness areas and everything but you have people that go out hunting all the time and you know to me if they did exist in any large number there would be a lot more accounts of them right um so if they do exist in the u.s um then to me, it's a small number that can hide within the very few areas we have that are not built up and have a lot of people. But if you're talking about some place in Canada or Alaska or whatever that's very rural, very out there, there's you know not a person for miles. Yeah. I mean, to me, that is more logical, but you don't really hear about that. It's 
So I guess it's a it's a catch twenty two thing. Um, you know, you you're not going to hear about it if there's not people around and where they can live and there can be more of them and all that. So you're not really going to hear about that. We hear about it around cities. Mm-hmm. So, and there's not that many reports. So, you know. Yeah, and and the naysayers to cryptozoology uh, are are going to go with if they've been around. Why can't we find any dead ones? Why haven't hunters come across, you know, one of these carcasses? You know, makes sense. Right. It seems like, you know, an easy argument there. It's like, well, if we've got this many reports, in, especially in that area of Wisconsin and Michigan, why hadn't we found a dead one? Right. You know, makes sense. But, you know, that kind of goes to, well, we're not finding dead ones because they're turning back into humans. Right. And, you know, we find dead humans all the time. Right. So we're not finding these dead Beasts, werewolves, if you want to call them that, because they're not staying in that shape After when they die. die. Right. Um, you know, so it's just, it's it, again, it's fun to think about that. Right. But then you're also saying, okay, they've got to be intelligent to know how to stay out of the sight of man and how to, uh, you know, not just walk up in somebody's backyard and get shot when they're hunting something, you know, they've, they've got to be intelligent and let's say they stay werewolf form. They're not a, uh, move from human to wolf to human to wolf back and forth, kind of werewolf. They're just always wolf, kind of like the, the wolves of Osiri where they are a wolf for seven years. Um, if they're living like that and one of them dies, there's more than one. We don't just, if, like, if you were to kill over here, I'm not just going to go throw you out in the street. There's going to be a ceremony. We bury you. We, we bury our dead respectfully. So what is saying that if they are intelligent enough that one of them dies, they're just going to leave it laying out like a deer? No. They're probably going to some ceremony. They're going to cover it with rocks. They're going to bury it and or something. Or at minimum, these creatures could be intelligent enough to know we have to hide our existence. So by burying their dead, you know, maybe it's not in reverence. Right. Maybe it's in self-preservation. Yes. You know, we, we've got to we've got to protect our species. By uh, by concealing the evidence that we're here. Right. So, in other words, after we've rambled for a long time now. Um, <laughs> we told you this was going to be long. Yeah. So, you know, what what do you think? You know, do, do you believe that werewolves actually exist today? Do you believe that werewolves ever existed? Could you make enough sense out of Adam's jackass ramblings about the historical... Um, sightings that he could barely pronounce in the names where you think maybe they did exist back then and that the werewolf trials were a legitimate hunt of werewolves or were they just people suffering from ergot poisoning that, right. you know, uh, just all of them going crazy. Um, let us know, you know, uh, send us an email, 
hit us up on Facebook. Send us a direct message on Facebook. Post on the page. There is a link on the Facebook page to send us an email. Do that. Let us know. Um, we'd love to hear what you guys think. Um, you can hit us up on Twitter. Um, it'll be me that responds to you on Twitter because Matt doesn't Twitterify. Yeah, I don't tweet. No, there's no tweeting or twatting or anything that happens from Matt. I don't tweet Matt. or chirp. Right. So I, I, I do cluck like a chicken. Yeah, that's only when you get drunk enough. <laughs> um, but so hit us up in one of those avenues and let us know what you think. Um, you know, uh, we want to get a conversation going with yeah. you. You know, we, we may be two guys who sit here and do this because we don't want to go out in public any more than we have to. <laughs> um, but we would like to talk to you. Um, so talk with us, uh, you know. And like we said, go on iTunes, give us a, give us a rating, give us a comment. Um, it really helps us to bring more people into the graveyard, you know, tell people about us. Word of mouth is a big thing for us too. That's how we've gotten where we've gotten so far. And we thank everybody for that. The spreading of the word of mouth, um, our listens have skyrocketed here within the last week or so. Yeah. And, and Adam and I are absolutely floored with uh, the response that we've gotten uh, putting ourselves out here like this and how supportive everybody has been. We thank you for that. And it just, it feeds our fire to keep this thing going. So if you like it, me and Adam, we love doing it. And we love talking about this stuff. And like he said, we want to talk about it with you. Tell your friends. Tell them to check us out. Even if they don't know what a podcast is, show them how to find us. Because again, when you go out there and you enjoy the show and you leave us a review, it gets us higher on the list. It makes it easier for people to find us. And the more people we bring into the graveyard, the more fun this is going to be. Oh, absolutely. Because the more discussions we can have and... You know, the, the, we may find topics that Matt and I don't know. We have a long list of things that we want to get to, a lot of different uh, hauntings and everything. But, you know, there's probably some obscure ones that you guys know that we we have no clue about. Right. Um, that, you know, because we've got listeners in Japan and Ireland and Russia and the U.K. Shout out to the U.K. peeps. Um, and... We, we don't know all of that. You know, we know the U.S. and the U.S. hauntings and stuff like that. So for those of you in other countries, tell us some of your stuff so we can go look it up because that that's really interesting to us. Yeah, and, and we will absolutely do that. And like Adam said, we've, we've got a long list of stuff we, uh, we plan on talking about. But if you message us or email us or tweet us something that sounds really cool, you know, we, we may decide we're going to talk about that. Yep. Um, so, yeah. So, so send us, send us those stories, send us those ideas. Um, if, if you think there's something we ought to do a show about, tell us about it. Yes, please. Yeah, please. So anyway, hit us up on all the social medias and we look forward to seeing you back next week in the graveyard. Good night. We'll see you soon.